Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Wasn't until you pointed your gun at him that he fired, right? Correct. This isn't right. This is unconstitutional. We shouldn't be told that we're going to lose our jobs. Someone's ability to choose whether or not they need to be vaccinated. We should be avoiding any unnecessary travel. Anyone visiting during the holidays are vaccinated. And when in doubt, get tested. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right. Welcome in. News and Views for a Tuesday. Got a good program lined up for you. Yesterday we talked about this uh, story with uh, the UNC Board of Trustees and how there was a motion put before the Board of Trustees, which did not succeed. It was put forth by Marty Cotus. Uh, The motion was very simple. The university shall not discriminate against or grant preferential treatment to an individual group or company on the basis of race, sex, color, or ethnicity. And uh, this was voted down. And Marty Cotus is now being vilified as some sort of a racist because (laughs) he proposed this anti-racist motion before the board. We're going to be talking to Marty at about 520 on this whole issue Uh, It is mind-boggling that he is being treated this way. It's mind-boggling that they did not say, that makes perfect sense. Let's go ahead and and approve that motion. Yeah, since when, if you're against discrimination, you're being called a racist? I mean, Well, welcome to CRT world. Yeah, that's it. News and observers reporting a North Carolina judge could order the state tomorrow to turn over $1.7 billion to increase funding for public education. This is the Lorando case, the plaintiffs in the long-running Leandro, I should say, uh, school funding court battle have proposed requiring the state budget director, state controller, and state treasurer to turn over $1.7 billion. Uh, I don't think our state treasurer is going to do that. I just have a hunch he (laughs) is not going (laughs) to sign that check. Um, State Superior Court Judge David Lee, a Dem, of course, has scheduled a court hearing in Raleigh on Wednesday to consider a proposal. This court cannot permit the state to continue failing to um, uh, effectuate the right of a sound basic education guaranteed to the people of North Carolina. Well, who's who's deciding that they're not? Who made him the arbiter that saying, well, you know, they're not getting a sound education? And again, the the Supreme Court has ruled on this, and their ruling is the state Supreme Court has ruled that it is the legislature that holds the purse strings, not the governor and not the judicial branch. And not the attorney general. (laughs) And the attorney general is getting um, a slap down from Republicans anyway. This guy is Josh Stein— Apparently, he hasn't read the rule book. He is not the personal attorney for Roy Cooper. But uh, our attorney general apparently thinks that. A.G. Stein tosses 200 years of legal precedent as he endorses lawless maneuvering to enact Governor Roy Cooper's preferred budget plan via court order, reads a sub-headline in a news release today from Senator Deanna Ballard from Watauga County. Ballard chairs the Senate's Education High Education Committee. Tomorrow, Judge David Lee will violate the state constitution and 200 years of legal precedent by ordering the executive branch to withdraw $1.7 billion from the state treasury 
over the objections of the legislature. According to the release, it references a Wednesday afternoon hearing scheduled in front of Lee, the retired Union County judge who oversees the proceedings on this Leandro case. Attorney Josh Stein defense against the lawlessness was uh, was to claim the words of the Constitution from 1868. The people have a right to the privilege of education or actually a specific appropriation of funds in the year 2021. Ballard's news release continues. Um, Ballard is basically just accusing Stein uh, of malfeasance as far as his role as an attorney general and defending the Constitution and defending the legislature. And uh, he, he's not going to put up any fight against this because this is what his boss, Roy Cooper, wants. Well, Senator Ballard's right, and we've talked about on this show on a number of issues. I mean, Josh Stein continues. He was elected to be attorney general, and he continues basically to represent the Democrat Party. And from day one, he has been running for governor since he's been yeah. attorney general. I, on, on another topic, I, I don't know if you saw that. He was down in Newburn today sounding not like an attorney general, but like in a governor announcing money that he was spending in Newburn. Kinston, various places in North Carolina. That he was spending. Thank you for, for writing your personal check For there, environmental justice to fight the climate change and what climate change has done for environmental injustices. Wow. <laughs> I mean, he's the attorney general supposed to be representing the North Carolina residents and, and voters against frivolous lawsuits, but... He's out running for governor. And, and, they're, and what they're doing is they're creating not frivolous lawsuits. They'll be creating pretty important lawsuits because of the ridiculous things that the libs are doing in the name of climate change and racism, anything in the woke column. you got to hand it to them. They're very, uh, they're very creative in the things that they produce. In fact, Exhibit A, this is... Uh, Cut one, Clark. Exhibit A for how, we, and we talked about this briefly yesterday, for how the Democrats <laughs> creatively come up with these accusations against anything that the United States has stood for, as Western civilization has stood for. Pete Buttigieg, yesterday, we talked about this briefly, but yesterday he was asked by... Um, the gal over April Ryan over at uh, NPR, can you give us the construct of how you will deconstruct the racism that was built into roadways? Can you talk to us about how could this be deconstructed? So our, if you didn't know this, according to the Dems, according to NPR, according to April Ryan, according to Pete Buttigieg and his ilk, our highways are racist. <laughs> This is what Pete Buttigieg said to the question, can you give us the construct of how you will deconstruct the racism that is built into roadways? I'm still surprised that some people were surprised when I pointed to the fact that uh, if a highway was built for the purpose of dividing a white and a black neighborhood, or if an underpass was constructed such that a bus carrying mostly black and Puerto Rican kids uh, to a beach, or it would have been, uh, in New York was, was designed uh, too low for it to pass by, but that obviously reflects racism that went into those design choices. Um, I don't think we have anything to lose by confronting that simple reality, and I think we have everything to gain 
by acknowledging it and then dealing with it, which is why the reconnecting communities, that billion dollars, is something we want to get to work right away. <laughs> uh, no, I do not acknowledge it. I mean, you got to be kidding me. So, and first of all, he offered, he didn't have any specifics and he didn't have any evidence. But what he is saying is there are certain roadways that buses, the, the, the bridges are so low that buses can't pass underneath them. And so, therefore, the little Puerto Rican and black children couldn't go to the beach. And it was obvious. He said it was obvious that they were designed that way. <laughs> I mean, hey, it's, it's, this is evidence number one. For my friends that uh, I tried to convince you that Pete Buttigieg had zero capabilities in anything to be in this position, I, I rest my case with him saying that. That yeah, is yeah, the most but, ridiculous thing I've ever heard Well, in my it life. is. All agreed. And if there's any normal thinking liberals out there, and I, I know that's, that's a oxymoron, but if, you, if they are out there, you, you would recognize how, how ridiculous the statement is. But the bottom line is the Pete Buttigieg's of the world don't care. They, 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 they're perfectly happy with making this stuff up, strutting around like, oh, aren't we insightful? Because they're, it's not racism. They could care less about little black children or Puerto Rican children not being able to get to the beach. That's not the issue. The issue is... We want to vilify America. We want to label anybody that's conservative, anybody that would be against redoing a multi-million dollar bridge because little black children or Puerto Rican children can't get to the beach on a school bus. We want to vilify them, and we want to destroy this country. We want to bankrupt the country. That's why, why do we want to get $450,000 away to each illegal that was you know, separated from a child at the border? Why, why, all the, why are we bringing all these illegals in? Why are we just ushering them in and flying them into cities? Because the left wants to destroy the United States, our way of life. They want to usher in hope and change. Their hope and change is communism. And, you know, I used to say socialism. No, it's, it's pure communism, pure Marxism. Marxism is probably a better word because it really truly is. Uh, they are truly following the Marxist plan right now as they introduce this. You oh, know, absolutely. The, the, the idea that we're going to cripple the United States, we're going to vilify anybody that believes in America and the American values and biblical values. We're going to we're going to we're going to annihilate them. And you know what bothers me most in that situation, him saying that, I mean, in a constitutional republic, it it requires an informed electorate, an educated electorate, and, and a news media that holds uh, elected officials accountable. And the fact that you didn't have multiple reporters so, in that room so raising their what hands the heck and are said, you talking about? excuse me, what the heck did you just say? Yep. You actually think the architects and the engineers and the Department of Transportations planned those bridges to be low so black people and Puerto Rican yeah. people couldn't get to, a, yeah. to the beach? That's why you have designed. got to be freaking <laughs> kidding me. That's why and no designed. one said anything. No. Well, that we heard. Um, and well, I listened to the press conference. No one challenged it. <laughs> it, it, is, it is mind-boggling. It is mind-boggling. It is. Mm. Never let a good crisis go to waste— in this case, never let a good man-made crisis to totally screw up our rule of law. Let's just ignore the third branch of government. Yesterday, this is from CNBC, yesterday the White House 
said businesses businesses should move forward with Joe Biden's vaccine and testing requirements for private businesses despite a federal appeals court ordering a temporary halt to the rules. This is unbelievable. People should not wait, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre told reporters during a briefing. They should continue to move forward and make sure they're getting their workplace vaccinated. So the Biden White House, now they've officially come out and said, hey, reverse this decision. Based on what? I don't know. But they're just saying, hey, you know, uh, Fifth Circuit Court, we want you to reverse this decision. So the Fifth Circuit Court said, we're going to put a stay on the Biden mandate concerning private businesses of 100 people or more uh, as of January 4th, having to get them vaccinated or weekly testing. And now the Biden administration said, well, it doesn't start to January 4th. Well, yeah, but the process is having to begin now if you're going to go forward with this mandate. The Fifth Circuit said, nope, we're going to put a stay on that. And uh, businesses do not have to follow that. And the Biden White House said, screw them. Yeah. Just like, I mean, they, they just throw the Constitution to the wind. Yeah. They throw the process to the wind. And and, and I'm having a problem understanding. I mean, this is the same White House. Um, you know, the, the entire administration talked about just a few months ago. No, we we don't we don't mandate vaccinations on people in the United States. That's just not what we do. And this is an about face, on, not only on that policy, but saying not only do we would do we do that, we also throw our finger up to the court system, yeah. our balance of power in this yeah. country. Three branches. Say, it yeah. doesn't matter. What we say goes. Yes. Three I mean, equal branches of government, and they are basically— Now, now listen, when they, ha- when they controlled the courts, it was all about, this is the rule of law, you got to follow it. Roe v. Wade's been established. You can't, you, know, you can't move away from that at all. But now, you know, and it started with Obama. Hey, I've got a pen and a phone. I can, I can bypass Congress. Yep. So your three branches of, of government, your judicial, your legislative, and your executive. And right now, Biden is trying to do what Obama did and just say, screw it. We're, we're in charge. We're, we've got the White House, and therefore—and we've said the emperor. We've accused both Obama and Biden of being the emperor, and this proves it. Well, bottom line, I mean, th- this— and this is an important issue, but it's going to be a bigger issue later. You either have individual rights, you have the rule of law, or you don't. Plain and simple. Well, this is anarchy. If if if, if there is not significant pushback and fight back, and listen, the other thing is, these people have got to be held responsible. I have said this for years and years. When Republicans get back in charge, they really need to hold these people to task. These people, when they ignore our rule of law, they need to be punished for breaking the law because that's exactly what they're doing. And listen, this makes this makes embezzlement look like penny ante stuff. You're destroying our entire rule of government, our Constitution. It's unbelievable. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is your Drive at 5, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in News and Views 523, Tom and Benny. Marty Kodos serves on the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill Board of Trustees. He's previously served on the Board of Governors for the university system. 
On Thursday of last week, he offered a motion that most people would think is fair, reasonable, equitable, common sense. Uh, The motion, I'll read it here, quote, the university shall not discriminate against or grant preferential treatment to an individual group or company on the basis of race, sex, color, or ethnicity. Um, Yeah, pretty common sense proposal. I think most people would say, applaud that. And yet, Marty Cotis is being called in some circles a racist for bringing that motion up. By the way, the motion failed. Marty and one other board member voted for it, but the motion failed. Marty Cotis is on the telephone with us right now. Marty, welcome in. Good to have you with us. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, since last Thursday, again, a common sense proposal, and uh, the the pushback has been uh, rather surprising. Your thoughts? Well, I you know I, I found that what my role is, it seems like on the board of governors previously and the board of trustees now, is to voice opinions that others are often afraid to voice. Yeah. And talk about common sense items in a reasoned and reasonable way. Um, the, when you see a lot of pushback to that, when people kind of call you a racist or, or jump out there, it's because they can't debate and discuss your argument. They have to quickly jump to the cancel culture type approach. Yep. And, and uh, I've got pretty thick skin, so I intend to push past that and uh, continue this discussion across the state. Well, you know, what's interesting about this, Marty, is this has been taken up the judicial ladder in other states. And inevitably, and as it's reached the, the Supreme Court once, I think it was the Michigan case, and the Supreme Court didn't didn't knock away all uh, preferential admission policies, but they did reel them in. But it's gone, and and this was back when the the Supreme Court was a little bit more slanted to the liberal side when they reeled in some of it. This is eventually going to get back to the Supreme Court, uh, and uh, I think you're going to have decisions like they had in the Hopwood versus the Texas decision back in the '90s, where uh, the University of Texas got, they they just were were told no. These preferential treatment that you're you're putting on to some of the students uh, looking for admission are unconstitutional, and yet the, the apparently UNC wants to ignore those kind of things. Well, some of this could have been avoided earlier in the year if the legislatures, um, um, if the law that had been proposed in the legislature had passed and uh, had been adopted by the uh, governor. But of course. We knew that wouldn't happen. In California in 96, they passed Proposition 209, right. which says the state can't uh, discriminate uh, in its uh, hiring pr- process, in its admissions, or in its uh, contractor work. And then just last year, in November 2020, that was reinforced with 57% of Californians voting to keep that in place. So right now, Chapel Hill is more liberal than California. That's hard to believe, but <laughs> if you're familiar with Chapel Hill, yeah, I, I, there, uh, it, it probably is more liberal than at least parts of California. Tell me about this. Um, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with it. The Students for Fair Admissions, they sued the university, and you have this judge that was appointed by Obama, Judge Loretta Biggs, and basically 
she she basically mocked the group Students for Fair Admissions and just said the preferential policies can continue. Uh, did, can, you, can you give us some background on that story? I can't comment too much on that uh, case because we're still in the middle of it uh, with the university. Okay. But I was surprised by the dicta in the uh, conclusion of that uh, judgment that really didn't really address the Students for Fair Admissions um, case. It really jumped into labeling UNC as having a racist history and basically not doing enough uh, for diversity, um, yeah, which um, was surprising given the, uh, the nature of the case that that would be the conclusion reached. I, again, I go back to to your proposal, and uh, it would seem to me that your motion would line up very well with these people who say we need to make sure that we no longer have any kind of discrimination, and yet they want to double down, and it's it's whose cow is getting gored, obviously. Yeah, you know, the new uh, there's a bunch of new speak out there, and the new speak is. Um, overrepresented or underrepresented, which is really quota. Right, um, right. Affirmative action. And so when you say somebody's overrepresented, like Asian Americans, um, then you're saying, well, we have enough, we don't need more, and then that becomes discrimination uh, if, you're, if you're setting those standards out there. Or when you say underrepresented, and in order to reach more underrepresented applicants, you are reducing the standards which was evident in a, a memo from Dean Susan King in the journalism school to Chancellor Guskowitz, where she says they're going to reduce their standards in order to reach more underrepresented groups. Um, diversity now has become the mantra for the university. That's the, that's the, the gold standard. Uh, you, know, you can imagine the university changing its name to Diversitas omnis, you know, <laughs> diversity is everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, Marty, this is Benny. Um, look, looking at last week's uh, Board of Trustees meeting, I know your motion, Tom, read it. It you know, sounds pretty straightforward and pretty anti-discrimination to me. You and Allie Ray McCullen were the only ones that uh, voted uh, yes for your motion. I believe uh, Mr. McCullen's from Sampson County, am I correct, I think? Uh, it seems like that's right. I believe so. Um, but... Uh, some of the interesting comments from the other board members to me, uh, if one from the UNC Chapel Hill student body president, Lamar Richards, called your motion disrespectful. But I, I read an op-ed that he wrote for the North Carolina Policy Watch uh, earlier this summer, and, and he made the comment, and this is coming from the student body president of the school. Carolina is not deserving of your talents, aspirations, or successes. If you are a student, staff member, or academic from a historically marginalized identity exploring UNC, I invite you to look elsewhere. Now, to me, that's pretty disrespectful from someone that is the UNC um, uh, student body president. Uh, yeah, and if you didn't know his, uh, his race, it would be considered uh, uh, totally inflammatory. Um, I, I can't imagine anyone else uh, being able to say to historically marginalized um, populations that they shouldn't come to Carolina and kind of getting away with it. I think it was irresponsible. Uh, it was um, it, 
it showed a um, a lack of um, uh, representation of the entire student body as well, and a it was really effectively a big temper tantrum uh, that he was throwing because this was over the Nicole Hannah Jones uh, tenure issue, right? Which you know. I've asked if there was any discrimination involved in that. I wasn't on the board at that time. But if there was, hold those people accountable. Um, but what I'm hearing back is, no, there wasn't discrimination. It was simply a vetting process tied to uh, her not having taught before. And because the board of trustees asked some questions and the dean did not want to wait for that process, she she took a different route. And that's what led to this. And then um, you know, uh, the student body president then is ready to kind of burn the place down and uh, and say no one should come there. Um, that's a pretty extreme view, in my opinion. Well, they, they want to eliminate merit, and th- they want to make sure that uh, it, 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 there, there's prejudice and there is um, wrongdoing if the outcome isn't what they want. It's not the process. It's the outcome. And uh, it's it is totally frustrating. L- let me get let's get back to this uh, students for fair admission. And I realize there's certain certain things you can't say, but I, I'm connecting the dots here uh, th- that this battle is not over. Is that correct? Well, I, I think in the case with Harvard, they have appealed to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court has asked the uh, Biden administration to weigh in, which frankly is probably just a delay tactic because they don't want to tackle every problem out there in in one session right um so i would imagine you know you're gonna possibly have that heard if that's heard um, they may pull in the chapel hill and the texas case as well um, and we may get some clarity from the courts uh in this matter well has students for fair admissions have they appealed the decision by judge biggs I'm I'm not aware that they have yet, but I would imagine they would. Okay. okay. Given the the background with Harvard. What kind of response have you gotten personally since last Thursday when you made this proposal and suddenly you're being vilified? Well, I'd say ninety percent ninety nine percent of the people I know uh applauded me for it. The um you know, Blue N C of course labeled me a racist immediately. It's like they didn't even bother to read the article uh, or uh, explore my motion and what it meant. Um, and it's a weird time when you would be labeled a racist for proposing <laughs> Thank you. anti-discrimination efforts. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, I, I think overall um, people are ambivalent on it somewhat um, in terms of, you know, uh, coverage because um, the board did not pass the resolution, but I called for it. But really, I was just hoping to get a conversation started. I knew going in there was there were not the votes to to pass that motion, but at least I was able to have it heard. And I appreciate the uh, the chair and the board for allowing that. Uh, they could have tabled the motion or adjourned early, so. At least we did get to have some conversation about it. Uh, well, you started a conversation. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we've been talking about it the last two days. I don't think the conversation is uh, done. I think it's just getting started. I think so, too. And it's an important conversation, and it's one that's uncomfortable. 
but it's something that needs to be addressed. And and I think, you know, some people have said I'm anti-diversity, and that's not at all the case. I believe in diversity. I'd like to encourage more. I'd also like to see some diversity of thought um, out there and, and opinions and not just have indoctrinations. But you can do all of that without discriminating. You sure. don't have to put your thumb on the scale for someone just because of the color of their skin or their gender. It, it's, uh, it's insulting in some ways uh, to, the, to the people that you're discriminating in favor of. And those that uh, got in without that, you're, you're creating this environment where people start to label someone by uh, a demographic characteristic and then assume that maybe they got in with a lower standard. Right. And that's uh, that really can backfire. It also can create a lot more uh, tension between the genders and between the races. And I, I just think that's taking a step back. I thought we'd made a lot of progress, and now it feels like we're, we're taking a step back. Well, it goes back to the voter ID law that you're saying that there's a certain demographic, the demographic out there that doesn't have the ability to go out and get an ID, which that is so, so insulting. And, and it's along those same lines. You're saying, well, there's a certain demographic. If we don't help them, then they're not going to be able to do it. And it's, that's just a, a false narrative. Yeah, I, I think it really is. Um, and again, it's almost um, demeaning to assume that, if they didn't have that sort of help, that certain genders or races couldn't achieve at the same level. Right. It, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, and then, you know, two of the other commenters basically said, um, trustee artist Neil and, and um, uh, the student body president both kind of weighed in on this and said, uh, I was, uh, saying that there was discrimination occurring or, or uh, discrimination was occurring and that those in those um, underrepresented classes were not as qualified. And they said that was a false statement, but uh, that's not what I said um, in the, in the meeting. And if that's not true, uh, as they've claimed, then let's trot out the facts and review that and just really dig into it. Um, I thought a blanket statement would just cover everything without having to unearth all of that, but maybe we just need to go in and dig a little deeper and shed more light on the process and let everybody understand exactly what's occurring and why. Yeah, Marty, one of the things that I think is is most disturbing to me, out of the student body president, uh, Mr. Richards went on to say, while Carolina desperately needs your representation and cultural contributions, it will only bring you here to tokenize and exploit you. And to those that will attempt to misconstrue these words, my words, understand this. I love Carolina, but I love my people and community more. And that's coming out of the UNC student body president, which is, let's face it, North Carolina's flagship university, the first public university in America. And that's just not, in in 2021, that's just not a, a good conversation and dialogue to be using, I don't think, um, if we're going to you know, get anywhere in this country um, and advance past, past race and advance past the, you know, having the color of your skin determine anything. It should be diversity of abilities and skills and experiences is more important. And merit. And merit. Yeah, it's, it's division politics. You know, this is the whole concept of 
um, say say anything, do anything, claim anything, and uh, and throw a, a you know get a ton of attention for something like that, but not really think through what that means. I mean, that's just when you say that we need we're not diverse enough, and then you tell people not to attend the school. <laughs> I just don't understand how that. Yeah. How, how that makes any sense. Yeah, heads yeah. I win, tails you lose. If <laughs> if uh, if you come here, it's because you're a token. If you don't come here, it's because they're a racist. I mean, how can, you know, e- either way, they're trying to vilify the institution. Yeah, and, and I think also, you know, this seems to benefit only those that are kind of screaming these sorts of statements because they get their uh, 15 minutes of fame. And that, you know, I think that um, Nicole Hannah-Jones benefited tremendously yep. from uh, these sorts of statements. She went on to receive a $25 million endowment and got a salary package of her that's double what she was going to get at Carolina, all the while saying the university somehow injured her by discriminating against her. <laughs> Again, I have no reason to believe that's true. Um, y- you had... Seven of the existing board members on the board when this was decided, and it was a previous board. I wasn't on it at that time. Um, no one's claiming there was discrimination. No one's uh, digging into that at the university level and and pointing to anything that calls for that. All that they did was say she hasn't talked before, and we'd like to make sure that she's going to. Uh, be able to teach a class, and she's on a tenure path instead of being automatically granted a lifelong job, which tenure's on my list as well in terms of topics to really dig into. I can't wait to hear um, about it. Uh, <laughs> I, I oppose uh, lifelong appointments really for anybody. Thank we got you. The, uh, we got the Pope out there, dictators, royalty, and federal judges and professors uh, <laughs> with, uh, with yeah. lifetime appointments and yeah, I'm not right. a big fan of any of those. You're right. Hey, Marty, we're up against a break. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. And it sounds like uh, you're in it for the long haul. Please, please do that uh, because uh, we need men and women like you who are willing to stand up, as I said at the beginning, for common sense. Absolutely. And that's exactly what this is, fair, equitable common sense. Marty Cotis, thank you, sir. Thanks, Marty. Thank you. All right. Stay with us. Benny and I'll be right back. you're vaccinated you must wear a mask why we need to get people vaccinated killing people who are vaccinated to wear a mask doesn't get more people vaccinated confusing the kids and the parents even more get the facts get the correct information eastern carolina's news sources news and views on talk 96.3 and 103.7 welcome back in taking a quick look at your weather forecast tonight uh cloudy low around 46 tomorrow looks great high of 74 with lots of sunshine Tomorrow's low, tomorrow night's low is 48. Thursday, Veterans Day, partly sunny, a high near 75. Some rain showers come in Thursday night. Uh, chance of rain is about 60% with a low Thursday night and around uh, 62. So warmer, but rainy. Weather brought to you by our friends at the Ironwood Golf and Country Club. Voted best golf course in Greenville two years in a row. Ironwood Golf and Country Club boasts an 18-hole Lee Trevino design course. 
full-service dining and outdoor pool, tennis, and more. Our newly renovated 15,000-square-foot clubhouse is the perfect place to make new traditions with your family. Right now, give them a call at 252-752-4653, and uh, they'd love to host your Christmas party. They can set you up and give you all the details, and uh, whether it's just for a handful of people or the whole business wants to come in, they'll take care of you. Also, think of Ironwood and uh, for Christmas gifts, gift certificates for rounds of golf and golf lessons. How about that? They've got all kinds of golf apparel and golf equipment as well. So the Green Bay Packers' Aaron Rodgers is getting canceled and shamed over his comments. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. He is getting a harder time on social media and the mainstream media and the liberal media. He's getting a harder time than Henry Ruggs, who was that drunk driving car accident out in Las Vegas. Yeah. I I, I was flipping stations. Um, you know, this station has a sports talk radio uh, station on another channel, and I was flipping, and I, and I heard this guy just, just giving Aaron Rodgers the business. And I'm thinking to myself, you had a guy that was drunk running 156 miles an hour, and you killed someone. You took a life. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and and that your focus is Aaron Rodgers. Not and, getting the vaccination. Not getting the vaccination. I mean, it's just amazing to me. Kudos to State Farm. They uh, have not. Uh, there was a rumor out that they were going to can him. They have not, although I think they were running less Aaron Rodgers State Farm ads last Sunday during the ball games. But apparently State Farm is uh, st- staying with their guy saying that he's been a great ambassador for the company and uh we'll you know what we're for the vaccine but we support everybody's opinion yeah i saw someone post on social media today is uh can you tell me where i can buy some state farm stock <laughs> so, so so i think uh i think there's a lot of people that support state farm and their decision well i think there's a lot of people that are just totally frustrated with hypocrisy and uh, you know let the guy be so when it comes when it comes to abortion, it's all about my body, my choice. But when it comes to the vaccination, if you don't get the vaccinated, then uh, we're going to jump all over you. By the way, did you hear Gavin Newsom, the governor of North of uh, California? He went back on October the twenty seventh and got a booster shot. He got the Moderna COVID vaccine booster shot on October the twenty seventh, and. He has he's been out of sight since then, and now a source close to the governor who does not want to be identified has said he has come down with symptoms that they think it's Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is a neurological disorder in which the body's immune system mistakenly attacks part of its peripheral nervous system. The network of nerves located outside the brain and spinal cord, it can range from a very mild case with brief weakness to paralysis, leaving the person unable to breathe independently. And there have been a number of individuals. The latest data from the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System shows that between December 14, 2020 and October 29, 2021, there were 705 reports of Guillain-Barre syndrome, um, and 41 uh, uh, attributed to Pfizer, 31 to Moderna, and 28 to J&J. Again, he has disappeared from the papers. 
Interestingly, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. heads up the Children's Health Defense Organization, and uh, he is very much, surprisingly, he is very much in favor of uh, everybody having their own choice when it comes to the vaccine. He says he prays for the Newsom family and wishes him a quick recovery. He added, however, if it's true the governor has suffered debilitating neurological injuries following the vaccination, it raises grave ethical questions about his seemingly dishonest efforts to conceal his injuries while implementing aggressive policies to force children and working people in California to endure similar risks. And by the way, Gavin Newsom was one of the first governors to say, hey, the kids, you got to get vaccinated. Well, he, you know, Gavin Newsom's office is saying that he skipped out of the climate change conference to be a pirate for trick-or-treating. So, I mean, seriously, that's that's what they're saying. So, I'm sure Californians would agree he's been a pirate with their life, oh, yeah. their life for the last year and a half. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Back to News and Views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. President Obama... Former President Obama was talking at the uh, climate summit. Now, you got to remember, Obama was the same guy who claimed he'd be campaigning in all 57 states a few years ago. Uh, he made a couple of major errors in his speech over there in Scotland. He referred to Scotland as the Emerald Isle, um, <laughs> which uh, that's that would be Ireland. And uh, he also said, well, since I'm ha- here in the Emerald Isle, let me quote William Shakespeare. Uh, William Shakespeare is from England. <laughs> So uh, he had a twofer. He had a twofer. I mean, doesn't he have somebody to help him write these? Uh, where, did, where did he go to school? Well, he, he just proves all along. I've always said he was an empty suit. And he was an empty suit yeah. that was great at, at a performance. I mean, i got to give yeah. him credit. He, he is a heck of a performer. And he can read a teleprompter. And he can read a script. That proves it right there. Yeah. I mean, that's – I mean, it's Joe laughable. can't, but, but he could, yeah. But uh, beyond that, not so much. By the way um, – Two stories out in Fox News, and we just had a full hour, hadn't been able to get to them, but uh, the John Durham investigation is basically pointed to the fact that Jake Sullivan, who um, is in the Biden White House, he's the uh, national, is he national security? He's uh, um, a foreign policy, well, he was a foreign policy advisor to Hillary Clinton. Um, He is pretty much now in, in the crosshairs of this John Durham investigation, and he is uh, President Biden's White House National Security Advisor. I was right the first time. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see how that turns out and what comes of that. Um, but also, one of her closest advisors, Chuck Dolan, is very involved in this. Bottom line is Hillary Clinton is up to this and her uh, up to her neck in this, and uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. Hopefully, uh, they'll they'll be taken out. Look out, turning evidence. Hey, we got to run. We'll do it again tomorrow at five. We'll see you then. Bye bye, everybody. All right, all right.